As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Queen Elizabeth's resting place has been revealed as the prince and princess visit Wales for the first time with their new titles. It's such a beautiful, it's a really tiny little chapel too. If you've ever been to St. George's, it's like this really tiny chapel sort of tucked away. And I think it's probably, they must be so happy with this choice that they can all be together in this little corner of a place that was so special to them. A bombshell book claims that Prince Harry told King Charles that he was unhappy with royal life via email and was denied a meeting with the queen. Harry tried to speak to the queen, but was intervened. And this is another story where it's coming back. We're hearing more details, you know, that he's tried to schedule this. They've said, you know, he's been told, no, you know, she's not available anymore. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see these stories sort of in this book, in print, expanded on with as many details as Valentine Lowe you know, has. Plus, what do the next few weeks look like for King Charles now that the mourning period has come to an end? I think he also is hoping to spend some time with his family. I mean, he has seen obviously a lot of them, but, but grief is a time when you do need to see people. He has made it very clear that he trusts Prince William and uh, Princess Catherine implicitly. So I expect we'll see some time spent with them. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina. That's Christine. Christine, I can't believe it's been a little over a week since we covered the Queen's funeral. Um, and now we're getting a, a first look at her resting place. I know it's just been someone I saw on Twitter, someone saying that it's been almost three weeks since yeah. she's died. And I just can't believe that. But we did see her final resting place. And I'm, I'm excited to get into that later. Yeah, definitely. Um, before we do get into it, let's see what you guys have to say about last week's show. A lot of people obviously expressing their condolences and their rem remembrances about the Queen. S. Fitzpatrick said the pony, the corgis and the lone bagpiper slowly walking away was what moved me to tears. I think a lot of people, I know you said the bagpiper as well. I, I think they forgot me. <laughs> it, yes, it definitely. I think that got a lot of people. It definitely did. But um, so many moving moments. And then Joan Neal says, Charlotte and George will remember their grandmother's funeral all their lives. It's wonderful that they share the jubilee with their grandmother. That was fun, which hopefully will offset the sadness of the funeral. Yeah, spending that time with their great grandmother had to be um, amazing because a lot of not, not a lot of kids get to spend that much time with their great grandparents. 
I, I know it must have been so, so special. And just to, I think, again, there was a lot of people questioning, you know, should George and Charlotte be there? I mean, Charlotte's still so young, but actually I think it's a good point that they'll always remember this. This will kind of always be part of their story. Um, so I think it was really important. And I, you know, was, I wasn't sure at first either, but now that I've seen everything that's on, you know, happen, I think it was the right choice. Definitely. All right. Well, let's get into our Royal roundup. And like we were saying, um, the morning period has come to an end and Buckingham Palace shared a photo of the Queen's final resting place. Now, this stone is made of a Belgian black marble with brass letter inlays to match the previous ledger. And it now sits within St. George's Chapel in Windsor. And the ledger stones now includes the dates of birth of her father, her mother, and of course, her husband, um, Prince Philip, who died at the age of 99 in April of 2021. I mean, it looks like a beautiful resting place. It really does. It's such a beautiful, it's a really tiny little chapel too. If you've ever been to St. George's, it's like this really tiny chapel sort of tucked away. And I think it's probably, they must be so happy with this choice that they can all be together in this little corner of a place that was so special to them. I also loved in the photo that was shared by the Royal family that it was just full of wreaths from family members. And I was sort of looking at it, wondering who's sent which wreath and, and did they coordinate, you know, did, did someone say, okay, let's all do this color, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but it is so special. I, I know so many people will hope to visit um, because it is open to the public. You can see the, the pride, the little chapel where they'll, where they are resting. Definitely a beautiful place to, to uh, be laid to rest. It definitely was. Well, um, King Charles went straight to work following his mother's death. A photo was released of the King seen at the desk in Buckingham palace with that famous red box containing documents that needed his attention. Um, the King is seen in his first days of work as, um, as monarch on September 11th, which was just a few days after the queen's death on September 8th. Of course, the red box is the daily dispatch of papers from the minister around the UK and the realms like Canada and Australia, of which Charles is also king. We know that this was um, something that, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth tended to, I think, every day except for Christmas. Yeah. Yes, it's this famous black box. I think there's been so many, um, we've seen it in so many movies. I know it was in The Crown and things like that, where they take it and then they flip it upside down because, you know, the, the the staff usually hides things at the bottom. I was thinking about this. I wonder if now the staff puts hides things at the top, anticipating that they'll just... Flip it over again. But yes, he, he's back to work. I think it is one of those things that, you know, every single day they just they go through the papers, they check in on the correspondence. Um, and it's sort of even on weekends, even during holidays, it's just their way of sort of checking in on the Commonwealth. So while it is a little bit surprising that Charles would go back to work so quickly, I just I really wanted him to rest and, and mourn and take some private time. I'm not surprised that he's already taking on this this daily responsibility um, just of finding out what's going on in the Commonwealth. You know, even just in the few days after the Queen's death, he had so many phone calls and meetings and, you know, um, correspondence with uh, leaders from all over the Commonwealth. Mm -hmm. I think it's been so important for him to just establish those relationships early on, you know, right away to, uh, you know, reintroduce himself because obviously he's met all these people, but just to, you know, keep those relationships strong. Definitely. And I love in the photo behind him is a photo of um, his, his parents, a black and white photo. Um, so it's, it's nice that, you know, always kind of looking over his shoulder. I think that's great. Um, I know that it's, and it was so 
I love these photos. They're always staged very, very carefully because there's also this big sort of crusty tome of Shakespeare's complete works on the desk with him. Mm -hmm. It's just little things like that that make that sort of, you know, they've they've stayed, they put that there on purpose, like the photo and you know, they're thinking, they're thinking things through. Definitely. It's always great to find those little Easter eggs in the background yeah, yeah, exactly. of, the, of the photos. Um, well, Kate Middleton and Prince William stepped out to show their support to the volunteers of operation and operational staff who were involved in the committal service um, for the Queen at St. George's Chapel in Windsor. They also supported the crowds that gathered to pay tribute to the Queen after her death on September 8th. So take a look at this. We should be so proud, honestly, because of so many people being involved, but it was extraordinary from, you know, from the family's perspective, but also from members of the public, everyone was saying, you know, when we did the walkabout, just saying how special it was to be part of it, how easy it was to be involved. We saw the different, like, car parking logistics. You can believe how far people were walking, having parked their cars, mm. and it was quite some distance. Um, but it's amazing. This was so interesting to me because I think it was uh, Prince William who said that the, you know, the queen passing away at Balmoral, this was the plan that they didn't really plan for the most. So this was a little bit unexpected. Yeah, there were these little great little sound bites from Mm -hmm. this visit. I think it was a really personal visit. Um, you know, Will and Kate, William and Kate were sort of um, not that they were off off guard, but they were sort of really honest. You know, there was those little quotes. Um, William said that they saw those five rainbows up at Balmoral. Um, and he says that we never see rainbows, but then there was five of them. And these really sweet, um, you know, little little tidbits that they shared at this um, event. I thought it was it must have been so great for like the operational staff. I think it was a bit of a surprise. You could see the crowds of people just looked at absolutely shocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. No. And, you know, they've been busy. They've visited Wales for the first time as the princess and princess of Wales. So it was nice to see them um, step out and, you know, uh, visit Wales for the very first time um, because they live there as newlyweds going back in the day. Yes, I know. So they've made their first official visit to Wales as the Prince and Princess of Wales. And they started their visit in, at Anglesey, which is sort of this really little coastal town, um, part of, you know, Prince William's military service. He was stationed there for a few years. And it was, it's was it been so special to them. One of their first royal engagements ever was up at Anglesey at um, the RAF base up there. And then t- Today, their first, you know, one of their first engagements as the Prince and Princess of Wales is right back in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So it's been, you know, clearly it's really important to them. And we see those sort of, you know, circles and, and patterns. They're reminding us of of those um, those past events. And then they um, visited, met with, you know, representatives from the region. They met with the cutest little schoolboy. I don't know if you saw those, those photos popping up, but it's nice to see them hit the ground running. And, you know, the Prince and Princess of Wales type it is sort of um, ceremonial, but it is actually really important to the royal family to have a close bond with Wales. So uh, it's exciting to see them, you know, hit the ground running. Definitely. Well, mark your calendars because the crown is set to return to Netflix on November 5th for its fifth season. I am ready for this. I am excited. <laughs> I know it's, uh, you know, drama, a little bit exaggerated, but I'm I'm ready for it. I think Dominic West looks like it's going to be a great uh, Prince Charles at the time. Um, But yeah, it seems like this is going to be the entire unraveling of the marriage between Prince Charles and Princess Diana. I think that like the Buckingham Palace press office is sweating. Like they are just... (laughs) 
<laughs> they are stressed. I but I did see something really interesting. I remember when Dominic West was cast, and even he said, "I don't look anything like oh, yeah. him." <laughs> and I saw a really interesting commentary saying that they perhaps that was done on purpose, so we do sort of differentiate the character from the man in a sense. And I thought that that was an interesting concept um, because so much of this is fictionalized. I think this next season is where we're really going to see the most fiction, you know, coming out. Um, It'll be so interesting to see, but I just know that everyone at the palace is just like stressing. (laughs) They are sweating. It's going to be. Um, All right. Well, it is time to spill the royalty and a new bombshell book. I feel like every, you know, every few months I'm like bombshell book, bombshell book. But this this one is said to be released by Valentine Lowe, who is a royal correspondent for the Times. Um, So this book is called Courtiers, The Hidden Power Behind the Crown. Um, So he was the, Valentine Lowe was the first man uh, to report on the allegations of bullying against the Duchess of Sussex from her time as a working royal. And he um, offered up a gripping account um, in a series of extracts published in the Times. A lot of um, interesting tidbits, uh, a little, some things that definitely raised some eyebrows. So what were some of those things for you? Yeah, I think, you know, Valentine Lowe has been a royal correspondent for so long, but he really flies under the radar, I think. And he's really well-respected. And so when when these journalists that are really well-respected sort of come out with these books, it really makes you question, you know, what is true and what is hearsay and things like that. I was most surprised by how many airtight sources he seemed to have. There were lots of names, lots of, you know, people quoted, things like that. That always really surprises me because a lot of palace staff, they sign NDAs or they don't speak out of respect to, you know, the the role that they undertook. So for them to speak out is really um, very surprising, I think. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yeah. Uh, But I think just so many of the stories were things, rumors that we had heard or sort of stories that came out, but we didn't hear too much about them ever again. And so it's just interesting to see them all, you know, compiled together in in this book, airtight sources, you know, a really, really good journalist. It'll be really interesting to see this um, coming out again. I do find the the bullying allegations 
I've always found that story very interesting. There's so many people who say that it's a cultural difference mm-hmm. between British work culture and American culture. I think so many of us can sort of not necessarily relate to that, but sort of see where those cultural differences might lie. Mm-hmm. And I just I found that just really interesting to follow that story. Right. Definitely. I mean, he opens up, you know, more about that strained relationship that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex had with their, um, their you know, their staff, um, even the, the staff later allegedly received referred to themselves as the Sussex Survivors Club and that they reportedly felt played um, by the the pair and that they would keep their um, plans so tightly under wraps that their nanny wouldn't even know where they're going until they were up in the air um, on their private plane. Um, So that was definitely information that was that information was definitely interesting. Also, Prince Harry saying that he was unhappy um, within the royal family via email and he tried to tell the queen in person and he was denied. Um, The book states that the message was conveyed to him that the queen had been confused about her diary and was no longer available. Harry was incensed because it was not true. The courtiers had gotten the way, it seems, because they saw the meeting with the queen as an attempt to pick the queen off before Harry started talks with the rest of the family. Um, This all happened around Christmas time of 2019 and he even... I mean, Valentine Lowe writes that Harry thought about even going to um, Sandringham and, you know, confronting the queen in person. Obviously, that didn't happen, but um, it seems like things definitely got things definitely got testy behind the scenes. Yeah, I think this is another story that I think we once heard, but then never heard more about where Harry tried to speak to the queen, but was intervened. And this is another story where it's coming back. We're hearing more details, you know, that he's tried to schedule this. They've said, you know, he's been told, no, you know, she's not available anymore. Um, So it'll be interesting to see these stories sort of in this book, in print, expanded on with as many details as Valentine Lowe, you know, has. And I actually think from the excerpts, I actually think there's been so many books lately that are really all about how terrible Meghan and Harry are from the excerpts I saw. I think that this is doing a good job of sort of showing um, flaws, you know, across the board where staff was unfair in certain situations and, and, you know, is doing a, a decent job of being balanced, which I think is, is better journalism. Oh, definitely. I mean, he alleges that the queen, you know, vetoed the idea that the couple be part-time. They, they wanted to be, you know, half in half out. And the queen said, no, that's not really how it works. So it didn't really seem like there was any yeah. compromise um, in this, but I think you make a good point. It does seem like he kind of balances out both sides. So it's definitely going to be an interesting read. Um, Speaking of another book, Catherine Meyer, whose book, Charles, the Heart of a King, has uh, that has recently been updated. And she wrote of the king's support since his mother's death, saying, I know him well enough to know he'd be surprised by that. He always expects to be the one who disappoints, but the excitement has lifted him. I'm sure that definitely has, you know, seeing so many people um, reach out to him, you know, even when he was greeting mourners in the street, they were all singing God save the king to him. So I'm sure that pretty, you know, uplifted his spirits in a, a pretty dark time. I know every time you see them, every time you see some, you know, God save the king being sung, he just looks like he's on the edge of tears. Mm. I really think thought this day would never come, you know, and now it's it's so moving for him. But like she says, like, I think he kind of expected to be disappointed. He expected to disappoint everybody, but actually... I think everyone's hugely supportive. Right. And I mean, she even said that, you know, even, you know, that now famous pen incident where he was getting so mad that the pen wasn't working. She wrote that it was the young who liked his pen incident as they saw that as humanizing and authentic. Yet the older people were complaining because it wasn't what the queen would have done. 
Yes, probably was. The queen definitely probably wouldn't have done that. But, you know, we have a new king now and, you know, he got a little frustrated. <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> I know. I think, yeah, I thought it was very so relatable. And then later on, um, you saw someone in the crowd bought a little big ballpoint pen and, and gave it to him on the walkabout and said, just in case. I thought it was, again, it was so humanizing. We all really connected with, with him in that way. But honestly, the queens had little blips, you know, like where she can't cut the cake and she's saying, you know, get that. You know, there's been moments like that. I think that um, hindsight, you know, we remember her as sort of in, inhuman, almost superhuman, but actually there were very human moments. Definitely. All right. Well, let's. Oh, so what did the next couple of weeks look like for King Charles to help us break that all down is royal historian Gareth Russell. Take a look. Obviously, the queen is um, laid to rest. Um, but what's next for uh, for King Charles? What are the next couple of weeks look like for him? I think we, we do know that he he's hopefully going to have a few days in Scotland mm-hmm. um, to obviously clear up, you know, many of his mother's effects and things there and to talk to the staff and thank them for everything they did because there really wasn't any time mm-hmm. to thank the staff at Balmoral for their extraordinary work, mm-hmm. you know, and, and their care for Elizabeth II during the final weeks and months of her life because obviously she spent the last significant segment there. So there will be a time for him to go north to Balmoral to thank the people who work there, to thank the local community for their support for the Queen and also I hope to, to have some personal time to grieve. But if that window is allowed to him, it's a, it's going to be a small window. He, he will be expected back in London there are fairly substantial concerns facing the country. Obviously, it has to be said that that is the purview of the democratically elected government led by Prime Minister Liz Truss. However, under the British constitutional setup, it is the monarch's role to advise, guide and warn the government of the day. And this government might need quite a bit of that because we are facing a substantial cost of living crisis. The Prime Minister already today made a comment about energy bills that have angered people when she suggested that higher energy bills were a price people should just pay Mm -hmm. for the sake of national security, which which struck some people as uh, fairly tone deaf. Um, And that has that has that's not the first time someone in her party has said that. So in many ways, the king will have a a, a not insignificant amount of political work ahead of him with a small p, uh, but he will be back, I think, in London quite soon to to advise, guide and warn um, Prime Minister Liz Truss. I think he also is hoping to spend some time with his family. I mean, he has seen obviously a lot of them, but, but grief is a time when you do need to see people. He has made it very clear that he trusts Prince William and uh, Princess Catherine implicitly. So I expect we'll see some time spent with them. I would also say that I do think the King very much wants to heal the rift with um, Harry and Meghan. We saw that olive branch held out the first national address. So maybe we will see attempts to to coordinate more regular visits between um, Harry and Meghan and back to Britain. And also, of course, this will be, I think sometimes people forget, there was the, the pandemic and there were travel restrictions during the first stage of the Sussex's stay in the United States. So we'll see, maybe there will be more frequent um, visits back. I think that is something the King very much wants to, to happen. Definitely going to be a busy uh, next few weeks for the King. But like you said before at the top, you hope he, he takes some time to 
kind of re- uh, not relax a little bit, but take that time to properly mourn and, you know, get into the right headspace before he dives back into work. But um, in our, yeah, so yeah. yeah, but a lot of things are changing all around him at, at all times. So in our Royal history moment of the week, um, Queen Elizabeth title has changed um, pre-funeral. She was her majesty, the queen. Now she is officially re- referred to as her majesty, Queen Elizabeth, the in a, in a title indicates current title holder. So no, the means former title holder, former spouse of title holder, etc. So um, the palace uh, shifted this description on social media as seen in a tweet about princess Anne's visit to thank servicemen who helped stage the queen's funeral earlier this week it read in portsmouth and aldershot the princess royal today met service personnel and thanked them for the role they played in her majesty queen elizabeth's funeral so i mean it's you know it's all happening all these changes are being made and um king charles has a new cipher as well so these changes are going to be uh rolling out within the next few weeks yeah, it's so interesting. You won't you, you only notice it in England, but almost everything has the royal cipher on it. Mm-hmm. Mailboxes and buildings, money has, you know, the royal's photo printed on it. They've said that we really won't see changes, like even stamps. We won't see new ciphers and new portraits um, for probably at least a year or two. I saw about two years before we start seeing them on money. Uh, um, so it is a slow change, which I think I think we need some time to get used to this. Definitely, definitely. Um, all right, well, moving on to our pint Size Palace and Princess Kate revealed what it was like for her kids to see the preparation for Queen Elizabeth's funeral. She told volunteers when we've been doing the school run we've been able to see the preparations going up we've seen it growing um she said that her three kids were particularly beady-eyed about the security drones flying over windsor before the big event and asked their parents about them um yeah i mean they're still young so they're this is probably a lot going on for them and you know seeing drones up in the sky is probably pretty cool for uh for a nine-year-old a seven-year-old and a four-year-old love stuff like that right drones helicopters airplanes anything flying up in the sky is very interesting but I it must have been so good for the kids to go to school you know Kate and William it was really important to them that they were still doing the school run every day because it might must be such a strange time for them such a strange time it really is um, like we said a lot of changes happening over the next few weeks months years um, and we're going to be here recapping it all um, Christine thank you so much for uh, running down all things royals with me as always Thank you. So, so much, um, so many emotional changes, but it's nice to go through them. Definitely. And we love, of course, to hear from you guys. So keep commenting, keep subscribing, and we'll see you guys next week.